0: Back in the early part of November, uh, the staff and I uh, went on what you might call a retreat. And what we did, we uh, began to do some planning and projecting and vision casting for this coming year. And I always enjoy that because it gives us a time to be able to share our hearts and to be able to uh, share what the Lord is speaking to us about concerning the different ministries of our church. And one of the things that we came up with that the Lord had laid upon our heart was a theme for this coming year that we're Have approached. And a theme, very simple, but I think very much of importance for the life of our church. And that is to know God and to know each other. Now, what does that mean? I want this coming year to be able to experience the Lord like we have never experienced Him before. God has, I believe, has something that is incredibly in store for us. But also, I want us to get to know each other. It's amazing of how we'll come to church and maybe sit beside someone and we only know them by name, or maybe we don't even know them by name. We go into Sunday school classes and we only know those that are in Sunday school classes that we are a part of, and we don't know others that from other Sunday school classes. Well, you know, as I think about that, we are a family. Right, and one of the things about a family is is that we need to get to know each other, and by getting to know each other, your life and testimony will make an impact upon my life, and hopefully that my life will make an impact upon you and i want us to do that this coming year i want us to launch out into an avenue of a, of a, in a manner of discovering things about each other one of the things that we're going to be doing we're going to be inviting many of you to come and to share a word of testimony i i wonder how many of us know the testimonies of one another, such as, for example, when I came to know the Lord as my Savior. Why did I come to this church? Why, how did God bring me to this church? And I want to discover that, and I believe it would be a real, real blessing when we come together in doing that. One of the things that the Lord laid upon my heart starting this new year was a new series a series of character studies. I have titled it Pictures and Portraits in the Bible. And so what I want us to do is to discover and get to know some of these people that are in the Bible that we have maybe have read about, but really don't know a lot about. I want us to look at some characters that you may not hear a lot about. I remember I went to the hospital one time and there was a lady that who had cancer. And she was reading a book. And I asked her, I said, well, what is that book about? And her eyes and her face just sort of lit up. And she said, oh, pastor. She said, I'm going to heaven pretty soon. And she said, I'm reading about people that are in the Bible that has already gone to heaven. And I wanted to get to know them before I got there. <laughs> and I thought, man, isn't that great? And I thought, you know, that's exactly right. We're all going to heaven. And wouldn't it be great to get to know a little bit more about Moses? A little bit more about Abraham and a little bit more about Paul and a little bit more about other Bible, Bible characters. And oh man, and that got me thinking. Well, that lady has gone on to be with the Lord and she's there and met those people now. And one of these days, we will too as well. We're going to talk about a character today that you don't hear a lot about, he sort of seems like he plays second fiddle to his brother Peter, and that is Andrew. Andrew, as I was reading from others that had uh, written about him, said he's just sort of an ordinary guy. In other words, he was not one of the great preachers like a Peter. Peter. He was not what you would know as a man that uh, was a great church planner or a great big pastor uh, of a church. He was just an ordinary guy. Now, I don't know about you, but that, that encourages me. Because we're just ordinary, are we not? We'll probably never become a Peter. we uh, never become an Apostle Paul. Never become a great leader like a Moses. But we're just ordinary people. And yet God uses ordinary people. You don't have to be an all-American. You don't have to be a beauty queen to be used by God. God uses ordinary people. And that's exactly what he did in the life of Andrew. So would you take your Bibles? Turn with me to John. We're going to look at Andrew today, and uh, we're going to see how God used this young man. What an encourager he is to us. John chapter 1, verse 35 and following. Would you stand with me in reading these words together? Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two, the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Boy, you need to underline that. They heard, and they saw, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and they saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon the son of Jonah, you shall be called Cephas which is translated a stone. Father, thank you so much for these men and women that are in the Bible. What an encouragement they are to us. And so, Father, I pray that you will help us to discover some characteristics about their life that would be an encouragement and a challenge to every one of us here today. Father, I ask You for Your anointing. May You fill us with Your Spirit. And Lord, may the power of God would be exercised and demonstrated through the preaching of the Gospel. And may there be a response of people being born into the family of God. Father, we love You. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Andrew, what a tremendous man that he was. As I began to look at this guy, even though he's, as he always played seemingly like second fiddle to his brother, Simon Peter. Andrew was a man that God used in a great in mighty way. And you know, I don't know about you, but for me, when I see where God begins to work in somebody's life, I become interested. I begin want to know more about that person. I want to know what makes them act and do the things that they do. And then as I began to see God... Expel upon them his power. It encourages me. So there's three things that I want you to see about Andrew as we begin to discover something very important about his life. First of all, as you think about Andrew, and you think about the characteristic of Andrew, Andrew as God's son. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 12, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Being used of God, first of all, you've got to know the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to be able to know that you've been born into his family. See, a a man cannot be used of God unless he's saved. Unless he's had that encounter with the Lord himself. With Andrew, it all got started on the sandy banks of the River of Jordan. You remember the setting as you study John chapter 1. As John the Baptist that great man of God as he was baptizing people there in the river of Jordan and preaching repentance his disciples was with him and as he was baptizing all of a sudden he looks up and the Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 40 as as uh, Andrew heard, Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. John chapter 1 verse 40 says, One of the two heard John speak, and they followed him, and it was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. That was the red letter day in Andrew's life. It was a day that he came and he experienced the Lord Jesus Christ as His personal Savior. My friend, I want you to understand, that should be a day in everybody's life, should be a red-letter day. Should be a day that you will always remember. Remember. Somebody should be able to ask you, when did you get to know, when did you come to know the Lord as your Savior? Immediately you should be able to say, oh, I remember on that special day. Let me tell you about it. I remember what Charles Spurgeon said. Charles Spurgeon says, can you not remember, dearly beloved, that day of days, that best and brightest of hours? When first you saw the Lord, lost your burden, received the role of promise, rejoiced in full salvation, and went on your way in peace. My soul can never forget that day, he said, dying, all but dead. Disease, pain, chain, ch- scourge, bound in fetters of iron, and darkness and the shadow of death. Jesus appeared unto me. My eyes looked to Him. The disease was healed. The pains removed. Chains were snapped. Prison doors were opened. Darkness gave place to light. What delight filled my soul. What mirth. What ecstasy. What sound of music and dancing. What soaring toward heaven What heights and depths and inevitable delight, scarcely ever since then, have I known joys which surpassed the rapture of that first hour. Boy, I believe he got saved, don't you? Charles Spurgeon said, I cannot get over it. And my friend, I want you to understand, that's exactly right. Oh, I think the songwriter had it right, did he not? Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, when Jesus washed, when he washed my sins away. Oh, happy day. What a day. I remember it quite well. Now, I want you to get the setting of the story. Here's John the Baptist. And as he is baptizing, he publicly announces who Jesus is. Listen what he says in John chapter 1 verse 29. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John was baptizing and as he was baptizing he looks up and here comes the Lord Jesus Christ and John, what does he do? He proclaims who he is. The Lamb of God. Now you remember, of course, John the Baptist king, his father was a priest. And his father, no doubt, many, many times had sacrificed lambs in the morning and in the evening. And so John the Baptist knew about men bringing to men lambs to be sacrificed for sin. But now he looks up and he sees, here comes the Lamb, the Lamb of God. And oh, John the Baptist says, Behold, watch, look, here He is, the Son of the living God. Oh, my friend, this was no ordinary Lamb. This was the Lamb. God Himself personally come to atone the sins of the world. The four Gospels, as you may study it, emphasizes the Lamb of God. And so as you began to notice the public announcement, it was followed by a heavenly confirmation John chapter 1 verse 32 says, And John bore witness, saying, And I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained upon him. And then in Matthew chapter 3 verse 16 and 17, and when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was publicly introduced as the lamb of God and the son of God himself. Here was the one to come and take away the sins of the world. Now get the picture. Andrew is watching all this. He's listening. He has seen the dove He has looked upon the Son of God Himself. He had heard John the Baptist say, Behold the Lamb of God. John, as he was emphasizing through his preaching, touched the heart of Andrew. I'm reminded of what Foreman Linekin said, he said, as he spoke about Jesus, he said, In infancy, he started, he startled a king. In boyhood, he puzzled the doctors. In manhood, he walked upon the billows and hushed the sea to sleep. He healed the multitude without medicine and made no charge for his services. He never wrote a book. Yet not all the libraries of the country could hold the books that could be written about him. He never wrote a song. Yet he has furnished the theme of more songs than all the songwriters combined. He never founded a college. Yet all the schools together cannot boast of of as many students as he has. Great men have come and gone, yet He lives on. Death could not destroy Him. The grave could not hold Him. What a tremendous word. But now notice, as Andrew was listening to the public announcement, I want you to notice of the personal acceptance John chapter 1, verse 34 and following. The Bible says, Again the next day after John stood and the two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Personally, John the Baptist introduced Jesus to Andrew. And here you began to see what how Andrew responded. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 37, the Bible says, and he followed him. See, my friend, when you accept him, you're going to follow him. When you accept him, you're going to want to walk in his path of righteousness. You're now walking in a different direction. And here is Andrew following. What a red-letter day in the life of Andrew. His life will never be the same. I remember. I remember as, as if it happened yesterday, in May of 1963, as a 12-year-old boy, You've heard me give this testimony, but my friend, it's a testimony I cannot get over. I remember as a 12-year-old boy, the preacher was preaching one Thursday night. And as he was preaching, I kept thinking, I wish he would hurry up and quit or I could go to the altar. And the moment that he gave the invitation, I hit the altar. I knew I was a sinner and I knew I needed Christ in my heart. And there on my left side was my Sunday school teacher with her Bible open and there on the right side of me was my mother with her Bible open and they both took me down the Roman road and I was gloriously saved. And I've never gotten over it, my friend. It was a red-letter day in my life. D.L. Moody once said, he said he was in a meeting one time, and he said, this man spoke up and he says I've learned three things in 42 years. Well, when he said that, D.L. Moody said his ears sort of perched up, and he thought, man, I want to know what he's learned in three years. These three things he's learned in, in 42 years. Number one, he said, I've learned there's not a thing I can do to be saved. Number two, Jesus never required anything. Number three, he's already done it all for me. My friend, as I began to think about when I was saved, my friend, I just surrendered my life to him that day. And I will say, that's exactly what happened to Andrew. Andrew experienced salvation. He became one of God's sons. But my friend, secondly, I want you to notice uh, something very special about Andrew. Not only that he was one of God's sons, but he was one of God's servants. Once he became a son of God, my friend, he then became a servant of God. See, some people look at salvation differently than what the Bible portrays it. Some people look at salvation as a fire escape away from hell or a passport into heaven. But my friend, as I understand the Word of God, I understand that when I receive Jesus as my Savior, I also receive Him as my Lord, my Master. I receive Him as one to give me directions in my life. And I am to surrender to Him. And I am to allow Him to govern and to dictate and to direct my life in the path of the righteousness that He portrays. Matthew chapter 4 tells us that Andrew became a servant of God. It says in verse 18, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He was called to service. He was called to service. Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee and he saw Andrew and his brother Simon and they were what? They were busy at their trade. They were fishermen. They were no doubt at their boats and they had their nets and they were busy fishing. And Jesus said, Come, follow me. The word follow means come hither, come at once. My friend, Andrew immediately dropped his nets left his boat and began to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. This was another red-letter day. I remember also on a Thursday afternoon as a 23-year-old, there I was sitting at my office. I was a commercial artist at that particular time and I was at my drawing board. And God has been, been working in my heart in a manner of He was calling me. But I didn't know exactly how to respond. But I remember leaving my, my office that day and traveling to my church where my pastor was at. And I remember that thirsty afternoon He and I went and we sat down at the altar where I was saved as a 12-year-old boy. And I remember that thirsty afternoon, I surrendered my life to the service of God to become a preacher of the gospel. I didn't know how. And how God was going to use me. I didn't know how in the world God would ever take a, a boy from Albemarle, North Carolina, that couldn't put two words together in a proper proper sentence. I didn't know how he would be able to do that. But my friend, God not only called me, He sent me. And I have been the preacher of the gospel now for 43 years. And my friend, I want you to understand, this call to service, you began to realize here was Andrew and he began to go. Dr. Lyman Beecher, in his old age, someone asked him, they said, what is the greatest of all things? He says, it's not theology, it's not controversy. He says, it is saving souls. The tragedy of of so many Christians today, they don't think that there's to be involved in winning people to the Lord. What a tragedy. My friend, I want you to understand, every one of us are called. I might be called to the pulpit, but my friend, you're called there at your job, you're called there at school, you're called there in the neighborhood, and the whole purpose is to be winning people to the Lord. But some people said, oh, I stump my calling. My friend, I think it's a calling that's upon every child of God. That's right, right. A call to service. But then you'll notice a call to commitment. Look what it says in verse 20. It says, they immediately left their nest and they followed Him. Immediately. Now, you know one thing I, I noticed something about this? When the Lord called Andrew... He didn't argue with him. Wasn't without any hesitation. He left. He offered no excuse. And there, my friend, you began to see that every demand of our Lord in our life ought to be followed with immediate obedience. A.W. Tozer said this, God being who He is, must have obedience from his creatures. Man, being who he is, must re- render that obedience. When he speaks, we should obey. The act of leaving their nets, leaving their boats, was an act of obedience. Tozer also said, I wonder how many Christians in our day have truly and completely abandoned themselves to Jesus Christ as their Lord. We are very busy telling people to accept Christ and that seems to be the only word we are using. Andrew, in other words, put it all on the altar. But there's a third thing I want you to see in closing. Not only Andrew was God's son, he accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. He was God's servant. He surrendered to God's calling. But he was God's soul winner as well. Oh, every time you see Andrew mentioned in the Bible, he's always bringing people to Jesus. Always. Most amazing thing... By trade, he was a fisher, a fish. But now he's become a fisher of men. Three times you notice him in the Bible. First of all, he's bringing loved ones to Jesus. John chapter 1 verse 41 says, He first found his own brother Simon and said unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated to Christ. We have found the Messiah. The first thing Andrew did when he got saved and surrendered to the call of God in his life, he went seeking after his brother, Simon Peter. I wonder if Simon Peter would have ever become The great man that we know him today, had it not been for his brother Andrew. That great man that preached on the day of Pentecost and thousands came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. We look upon Peter and say, oh, what a great message and a man of God. We fail to remember it was Andrew that brought his brother to Jesus. Just an ordinary man. Andrew was a man that when he got saved, he immediately got concerned about his family. He not only prayed for his brother, but he went and he witnessed to his brother. He not only said, I want my brother to be saved, but he said, I want to show you how you can be saved. Look what Christ has done in my life. Now he can do the same in your life as well. The very first person he brought to Jesus was his brother. Do you have brothers and sisters? Do you have sons and daughters. Do you have a mom or a dad that's lost? My friend, one of the greatest, greatest blessings of my life was being able to lead my two sons to the Lord. I led my two daughter-in-laws to the Lord. I saw my grandchildren come to know the Lord, been able to baptize every one of them. The blessing of all blessings. I think it's when you're able to tell one of your own family members about Jesus and for them to get saved. I'm still working on Brenda. Maybe she'll get saved later. (laughs) I just thought I'd throw that in there for a minute. Y'all pray for me. But I want you to sow to something else. Andrew not only brought his brother, his loved one, but he brought little ones to Jesus as well. John chapter 8, I mean, John chapter 6, excuse me, in verse 8 and 9, gives us the familiar story, I'm sure you remember, of when Jesus fed the 5,000. And you remember that Philip got very upset, wondering how in the world we're going to feed all these people. And the Bible says, in those verses it says, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad here who had five barley loaves and two small fishes. Here's Andrew again. What's he done? He's gone out and got a little boy. Five loaves and two fishes. He brought a little boy. Introduced him to Jesus. One of the most precious, precious ministries of any church, my friend, is children and young people. Barna tells us, that great research center, that the average Christian have gotten saved before they were 14 years of age. That's the tender age. That's the age of of acceptance. It seems like the older you get, pride begins to build up into the heart. And there, it hinders the release of that heart of acceptance and submission. So why shouldn't we go after those little children? Andrew did. Andrew realized the importance of going and reaching those precious little children. That's why I like Vacation Bible School so well. It's because uh, it's reaching... Children. It's why, I like Awanas, it's reaching children, teaching them scripture, and 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 it's amazing of the number of those children once they hear those scriptures and begin to recite those scriptures of how their precious little hearts began to open up and to be saved and to be born into the kingdom of God. Oh, that's what I like about upward basketball. Oh, it's more than just basketball. Here is a time of where you're reaching little children, ministering to little children, teaching them the Word through the avenue of basketball. That's why these ministries are so important. That's why we need to pray for them. That's why we need to support them. That's why we need to encourage those workers. But then there's one last thing about, about Andrew. He not only brought, was bringing loved ones, bringing his brother, not only did he bring little ones, brought this little boy who had the five loaves of bread and the two fishes, but he brought learned ones. Listen what the Bible says in John chapter twelve, verse twenty and twenty one. Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was full, who was from Beth- Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, "Sir, we wish to see Jesus." There were some Greek philosophers, educators. And apparently, they were disillusioned about their religion. Well, guess what? There's old Andrew. And Andrew takes them, and he takes them to Jesus. Oh, my friend, that's the difference between religion and Relationship. Those people had religion up to their ears, but they were disillusioned about it. But then Andrew showed them how they could have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. One of my heroes was General William Booth, Salvation Army. You may not know it, but when he first started the Salvation Army in the early 1900s, the Christians experienced tremendous amount of persecution. And he experienced tremendous amount of persecution. But then, he was honored in 1904 in his own country by King Edward the Seventh, And no doubt all the hardship that he experienced down through the years must have vanished when King Edward had invited William Booth to Buckingham Palace. And then there on the platform he said these words, Booth, you're doing a good work. A great work. No doubt that was a tremendous blessing to William Booth. Then King Edward Seventh asked him to autograph his book and to write something in his book that he might be able to cherish in the days to come. This is what he wrote down. William Booth said, Your Majesty... Some men's ambition is art. Some men's ambition is fame. Some men's ambition is gold. My ambition is the souls of men. Amen. May that be our ambition as we approach this new year. Knowing God like we have never known Him before. And to know each other by sharing the gospel like an Andrew. And may the Andrews rise up within this church. Ordinary people. But they're bringing loved ones. They're bringing little ones. They're bringing learned ones to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for an Andrew. And thank you for the way that you have taught us explicitly here today the way that you work in the lives of people who are willing to surrender their life to you. Lord, we pray that today that there might be someone here that might be like that Andrew. They've heard, behold, the Lamb of God. Jesus is here. And they look upon You and they surrender their life to You. Lord, there might be someone here today maybe a young person that you're speaking to that they need to surrender their life in a manner of following you in total and complete commitment. Truly you're worthy to be Lord of our life. Lord, help us today. Be a church full of Andrews in the name of Jesus. We pray.